Hey there, brewery lovers. Welcome back to another episode of The Brew Daddies. I'm Richard. I'm here with my friend. Adam. Adam, it's good to have you back. Good to be you back. you missed our last episode because yeah. you've got a day job. Uh, <laughs> we are <laughs> in, we're in Rockville, Maryland today uh, at Saints Row Brewery. And we are talking with Tony Prabula. Hello, hello. In the brewery. Once again, we've been doing a lot of these in breweries lately, haven't we? Yes, we have. But uh, first, we want to say Which Happy is very New Year. Cool. It is very cool to sit in a brewery and do this. Yeah. But Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2019. Happy New Year. It's really exciting. We've been doing this it over is. a year. And speaking of somebody doing things over a year, Tony here has had Saints Row Brewing open for. Gosh, I guess now it's a year and four, almost four months, three months. Roughly. I yeah. lose track of time. Yeah. <laughs> so September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A year, September, and now it's January. So, yeah, it's all right. Well, tell us a little bit and tell the folks listening to the show how you got to the point. It's, it's, I'll tell you now, folks, it's a familiar story, but your personal story of like how you got here and, right. and where you work and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's like you say, it's a tale as old as time, right? For a lot of us in the industry. Um, my wife and I actually met at the University of Maryland, 2007, 2008. Uh, long story short, you guys don't want all the uh, cheesy details. We decided uh, to go ahead and get married, right? And um, before we got married, I wound up finding a townhouse for us to move into. And as a cheap senior in college who needed something to do with his time and didn't want to go ahead and spend the money on cable, internet, and all the amenities of a full-time paying job could you know, afford you, I picked up home brewing. And I, I loved it. I, I loved the whole process behind it. I loved the idea of just doing something for myself um, and being able to, to reap the rewards of all that effort. And I, I just want to be able to do it for myself um, professionally in a large scale and, and make that my living. And it's just a matter of like finding a way to, to do that. And so um, my fiance, now wife at the time, was like, well, like, you know, go figure out, like, how do you do this professionally? And so I met with Tom Flores, who's the head brewer from Monocacy. He's the you know, director of all the operations as far as brewing goes up there uh, in Frederick. And we just had a really, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversation about where I was coming from, what I wanted to achieve, you know, like finding a way to break into the industry. And he just continually was just like, you know, you need to find a way to get your foot in the door, whether that may be volunteering for festivals or, you know, working taproom hours. Like just, just find a way to get in because once you're in the door, it's a lot easier to kind of start learning, learning the craft, learning the trade. Um, once they're familiar with you, it's a lot easier to kind of bring you in and train you. And so I went home from that conversation that night. Um, my wife and I were then married after I had that meeting. And jokingly, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, like, you know, I just need to quit my job and intern at a brewery somewhere. And so they eventually just decided to pay me. Uh, saying that jokingly, not expecting her to really react to it very well. And um, she said, go for it. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, That's, yeah, that is so, yeah. Adam is pretty much like, the exact opposite of what my wife said. <laughs> it's just so like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the naivete of us being, you know, young and 
just out of college and still, you know, freshly in love. And she's like, do what you want to do, honey. You know, we're 23, 24. And so when she told me to just run with it, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like she just gave me the green light. Like, what do I have to do? And so long story short, I um, applied to a brewing science and engineering program out of Vermont. It's with uh, the drop-in brewing company. They run the American Brewers Guild. Mm-hmm. I applied to that program and got accepted into their craft brewer's apprenticeship, which means after the end of my program, I'd have to get an internship with another brewery and, and learn it all and whatnot. Um, but after I applied to that program and got admitted, I then started reaching out to breweries locally to see if I could get my internship started beforehand. Sure. And this was, you know, 2011. This is right when Union Craft Brewing out in Baltimore was kind of, you know, getting off their feet and whatnot. And they brought me in as an intern um, towards the end of 2011 and kind of kept me on as an intern while I did my uh, science and engineering program out of Vermont. And when I finished my program in Vermont, I had to go to Vermont for a week, do a residency, have a final you know, exam, do a week in the lab and, and sure. work on site. Wow. And it was, it was a great experience. Um, but was, when I got back from that program, the guys at Union had been training me throughout those next four or five, six months to be able to start brewing and doing production and things like that on my own. And so when I got back from Vermont, I got hired on as the lead brewer uh, over at Union, training you know, under Kevin, who's one of the owners. He's one of the owners and director of brewing operations. And so I was there from 2012 through the beginning of 2016. Um, great experience. I loved working there, learned a lot. Uh, a lot of what I've learned is applied to the way we do things here in our own brewery. Um, but at the beginning of 2016, decided to kind of take a step back, be closer to home. I was still living in you know, Gaithersburg, Maryland. So, you know, five, six days a week, driving out 45 minutes an hour one way. Uh, long, long hours, yeah. you know, three in the morning for first shifts, coming home, you know, late five in the morning after third shift, whatever it may be. Um, just decided to kind of be closer to home. I enjoyed what I was doing, but I wanted to be closer to my family. And uh, so I left beginning 2016, but still was obsessed with the craft. Still wanted to do it in some form or fashion. And so, I mean, I was still homebrewing at that point. But it wasn't until last September where we finally was just like, we're going to do it. And we jumped right on in. We opened our brewery. It really was a short time span between when we decided to do it and we were able to open. uh, Mostly because of the scale of our operation. Uh, tell we, us a little bit about that. Yeah. Like, tell us, tell us what we're what we're looking at here, because obviously we're looking at it, but this is a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nobody else is looking at it. Yeah. So it's funny. We um, usually, at least once a month, we ha- we have uh, the Maryland Brewery Tour group come through, and mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll give a tour on Saturday. And I always tell those people who come for our tours, it's like, so what you see here is exactly the same thing you'd see in any large scale, you know, production facility but on a very small, tiny scale. Right. Um, people call our operation cute. I don't know if that, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, okay, like, that's funny. Go ahead and say that. Oh, yeah, sure, it's cute. But so our operation, we run a three and a half barrel brew house, uh, four three barrel fermenters with a three barrel finishing tank. And everything we brew and produce is sold on site. So we're open six days a week. Everything we brew is only sold out of our tap room. You can't find us in any beer, liquor store, restaurant, bar, whatever it may be. Uh, we're really focused on being a community tap room. And so we're sized and scaled to accommodate 
those needs. You know, I don't need to put out enough product to sell it to a number of stores in the county and whatnot. I'm mm-hmm. only focused on producing enough for my immediate community. Awesome. Yeah, and it's worked out for us so far. You know, we're open just over a year now, or a little over a year now. Um, looking at what the next steps are going to be and all that. So it's uh, how often? How many taps do you have, and how often are you putting right. a new beer out for your customers? So we uh, currently are running on six taps. Um, we usually average one to two new beers per week going on tap. Um, we in the first year plus that we've been open have only brewed the same beer uh, four or five times. You know, we're usually always putting out um, new beers to try. So right um, now you don't have like flagships, you don't have no, like a yeah. flagship IPA, enough, you know. We, like- we don't, we do have, you know, like I guess we've done the same beers four or five times and those are beers that people in our community, if they see it come back on the board, they'll recognize it. Um, so there's only three or four beers that we've done uh, more than one time. And so that would be our Goza. Um, coming from a background like I did in Baltimore at mm-hmm. Union, uh, Old Pro is Union's, you know, um, right. their Goza, which is something that I really, before I got there, I wasn't really into sour beers and whatnot. But I really came to appreciate the style, the craftsmanship bef- behind brewing that specifically and the technicality behind it. And I actually also just really grew to enjoy drinking those, you know, (laughs) you talk about working in a warehouse, it's like, you know, hundred plus degrees without AC and you need something to quench your thirst. Like those are perfect go to. Yeah. Yeah. And so out of necessity, I came to enjoy the style. Right. Um, and so we've brewed our, uh, our Goza, it's called Holy Envy. I think about four times we've brewed it. So twice is a standard Goza and then two times with fruit variants. Now, I noticed there's some barrels around here. Are <laughs> yes. you doing some barrel-aged beers, and what kind? We are doing um, a few barrel-aged beers. We have d- we have also done a few barrel-aged beers, um, and even barrel-fermented beers. So currently, what we have in the production area are two bourbon barrels that will be filled tomorrow, actually, um, for a special release we have with another brewery uh, close to us. So we're doing a special release uh, in bourbon barrels for that beer. And then I have in the furthest corner possible from actual production, uh, those are two Sauvignon Blanc barrels, which have been filled with our um, kind of a house Saison beer. So it's our traditional Saison. Um, We slightly altered the grain bill to cut back on the ABV. So our, so our house Saison is usually about 7.2%. This is coming in at about 55 to 6%. Um, but we added um, wine must from a grape variety called Orange Roussan. Or Roussan. Uh, a lot of kind of citrus character from those wine grapes. Uh, what you'd normally find in white wine varieties. And then we also, after fermentation added uh Britannomyces. so we added brett to those barrels uh bacteria which very easily could be picked up by anything else in our brewery so we've moved that clear across uh, production to the furthest corner possible and we're actually purchasing um equipment specifically for those barrels and those barrels will continually be refilled as we empty them with new beer um inoculated with that bacteria to continue to develop and whatnot and so what we'll do is there's two barrel, uh, two wine barrels, which usually average about 59 gallons. We'll empty those uh, three months apart after one year. 
So this coming fall, um, fall of 2019, we'll take the first barrel, empty it, and bottle that all up. And every three months after that, we'll be bringing out new stuff. We'll be averaging about six months aging on the on the oak with the bacteria that we have. And we'll just do bottle releases off that because um, I really don't want to put anything with Brett on my tap sure, lines course, and course, pick course. up any bacteria in yeah, my yeah. plant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> This is a relatively small facility. It like is. Like you said, some people call it cute. There's a lot of potential for that kind of cross-contamination. Exactly. So you got to be careful of that. Yep. So it's just a matter of time before I put up a clear new wall just to wall that entire little sure. corner in. Um, but for right now, like I'm not going to open those barrels back up for another eight or nine months. So we're giving it a year to age. Oh, nice. Uh, so we're going to do a full year aging on the first run. Um, and then we'll pull the first bottles off the, the first barrel uh, in September. So I'm going to geek out a little bit but so it's called skull kid if anyone here is a zelda fan um skull kid uh, that's all i need to say right so yeah we'll be pulling that out the first batch so we actually brewed the first batch on the anniversary of the release of ocarina of time so that's very cool about the zelda thing (laughs) was that intentional you know what on that anniversary um i i do like zelda uh it's something that i grew up playing with my my cousins and whatnot i too i just happened to get lucky in the fact that we brewed it on the day that it was like the anniversary of the release of ocarina of time but it was funny because like one of our uh patrons who comes here pretty regularly um hit us up on facebook whenever i posted a picture on instagram whatever it was i posted a picture of the brew day and we try to make sure people know about what we got going on so like yeah skull kid we know brewing it up today we're gonna be aging this for a while and they were just so excited, like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that's on the anniversary of the release. And I was just, like, trying to play it cool. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we totally meant to do that. Like, we to- <laughs> I totally did that on purpose. It just it just happened to be, you know, the perfect storm of timing. Like, we just brewed it on the exact same day as the anniversary of the release. Well, that's cool. So yeah. I-, I want to get back to sort of your tap room and the space. And you talked a lot earlier in it, that about sort of how you and your wife sort of came to this and and you're local you're from around here you're from montgomery county uh and this brewery you were telling us earlier is it's like it's not just family owned it's like sort of family run right right so your whole staff is pretty much friends and family yeah um so being as small as we are, you know, we're really trying to be focused. So like, just to jump in, there's there's like five people total yeah. who work here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's five just of to us give total. Folks a sense yeah. of how small we're um, talking. So you can come any day of the week, and you'll be guaranteed to recognize your bartender after about a week or two of coming to see us. You know what I mean? Um, which, you know, it, to us, it, it's really kind of been a um, an asset. Like we've really been able to get to know the people in our community. Uh, on a regular basis, we see them, we recognize them, we, you know, get to know their story about their family and whatnot. But we are um, 100% family owned and operated. Uh, well, not operated. I have two friends who work with me. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? They don't work for family. me. They work with me. Yeah. Well, if you know family. my family, if you meet me once, like your family, you know, mm-hmm. like, sorry, you're screwed. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, your family at this point. But, um, but yeah, so like our entire operation, my wife and I own it out, outright. Um, we financed the whole thing because we really wanted to be focused on being able to meet the needs of our community and not having to answer to other people who want other interests and whatnot. Um, 
Not to say there's anything wrong with, you know, having other financing, whatever, you right, know, right, like, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was just, this is just what we wanted to create. Sure. And so my wife and I own it. Um, I work here six days a week, you know, doing production stuff, in, you know, in the brew house and whatnot. Uh, no one else works production as of right now. Um, but then our tap room is really kind of like where everyone sees our staff. Uh, my brother, his fiance, um, I, my wife, and then two of my friends work in our tap room. So, um, yeah, you know, being open six days a week is not common for breweries around here. Sure. Most breweries don't open up until Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But we do open up on Mondays. Uh, so Monday through Saturday we're open. Um, but, again, that's because our focus is mostly one of wanting to create a tap room for our neighbors. Right. You know, I grew up in this area. This is where I'm from. Like, these are the people who I grew up with more often than not. Like, I'll see people like parents and even, you know, guys I went to school with. But I'll see those families. And, like, we're really trying to kind of capture that, like, for lack of a better term, like, it's it's cheers. Right? Like, it's where yeah. everyone knows you are. You know what I mean? Like, this is, and that's what we're trying to accomplish here. Um, which is a little different from what you see in a lot of other production sure. breweries going on right now. But we see that a lot in the breweries that we, you know, we, because we're doing the podcast, visit a lot of breweries. Right. And, you know, what it really is, is most of the breweries that we go and talk to, not most of the breweries necessarily, but most of the breweries we go and talk to really have that approach. Is they're very taproom focused. They're not necessarily trying to be, you know, regional distributing. Mm-hmm. Breweries. I think Flying Dog is the biggest brewery we've done a podcast uh, on. It was the yeah. only live, live podcast we ever did, and probably wasn't that good. <laughs> really, if you go back and listen to it, you should because it's funny. But um, <laughs> but you know we're we've been talking to a lot of folks who sort of have that. Like we, our biggest focus is is bringing in regulars. You know, bringing in the community, being known as sort of the neighborhood pub, if you right. will. You know, the neighborhood bar. Um, and so that's that's really interesting. And you doing it, just you and your wife, uh, not investment dollars, and bringing the whole family into it, I think is pretty. Uh, I, I was gonna say unique, but probably a better word is it's really it's it's really original oh, in you. a lot of what we're seeing uh, in breweries. Yeah, it's um, you know, like whenever we went about trying to figure out exactly how we wanted our brewery to look. We looked at, okay, like, you know, do we want to be a large production facility? And so we went through the feasibility of that. And, you know, we worked out the numbers. Like, feasibly, we could have done it. Um, but then after that, we sat down and was like, well, what's our actual goal? Like, what do we want our brewery to be? Like, what do we want it to look like? What do we want our atmosphere? Like, what is our mission? Yeah. And, um, you know, our mission wasn't to be, like, you know, get out in public, like, you know, get your name out there, have people around the county, the state or whatever, know your product, like be a household name. Like we wanted to create a space for our community because, like I said, this is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And Montgomery County for such a long time was so vastly underrepresented when it came to Maryland beer. True. I just wanted to create a place for the people who I grew up with to have and call their own. You nice. know, yeah. um, and granted, there's a lot of breweries who are doing a great job of that in Montgomery County. I mean, Denison's has a great spot, you know, like Seven yep. has their own vibe. Like our neighbors up the road, True Respite, have their own feel and whatnot. Um, and not to say they're not aware and cognizant of that need for our community. But like 
we are very strictly focused specifically for our neighbors, for our community, right. and creating a place that, I mean, I'm, I love wait, where wait, I'm wait. from. Just to be yeah. clear, everybody should come and check you guys. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah. And without, I mean, we welcome people from all over the right, place, right, you know right. what I mean? But, but um, I understand, but I was, I was just pointing that out for listeners. Right, right. But, but you really are, like, I mean, it's, it's very clear in the space and sort of um, even looking in, into the tap room. So tonight, it's a, it's a Wednesday night. Yeah. Right? And, yep. you know, there's a half dozen people, dozen people sitting outside. We're in the brewery just looking through the barn doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Folks just hanging out that, you know, are clearly, this is their sort of hangout. And that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a nice feel, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, and so to your point, yeah, like people should be more than happy and welcome to come visit us. We always love out of town, out of town guests. So, I mean, <laughs> right. Germantown, you're out of town, right? No, I mean, like we're always welcome having people come through, you know, and, and like, so Saints Row, I mean, we've talked very briefly about like, like, what is Saints Row? Like Saints Row is a place you just come and surround yourself with the people you want to be around, you know, your neighbors, the people you work with, or maybe not like working out in DC or whatnot, but you know what I mean? Like the people who, who know where you're from and understand like, Oh, great. Like they blocked my street on whatever night randomly. And it was like, no, like, I get it. You're like, I get it, man. I'm, I'm right there with you. You know what I mean? Um, and I mean, soapbox, whatever it is, like we really <laughs> wanted to be a community spot because, um, as much fun as it is to, to brew beer and to be able to support my family with beer, we wanted to make that something that's not just for us, but also for our community and our neighbors. All right. So you've been doing this for a little over a year now and yeah. You've clearly created a community space and you're very like local, hyper local focused and that's fantastic. But this can't have been easy and everybody knows it can't have been easy. And everybody who's tried to start a brewery, wanted to start a brewery, know that it's not easy. But to do what you've done over the last, you know, year plus, what I was going to say, what are the biggest challenges? But that's not really what I want to ask. What were the biggest unexpected challenges? What were the things you ran into that you were like, holy like I didn't had no idea I was yeah. gonna have to deal with this. Oh man. I think I've probably been so been so traumatized by those instances <laughs> that I've kind of tried to block them out. Um right. you know, like I mean, it's it's really I think what it is is honestly at our scale, like when you're a large production facility, you know you're gonna have headaches when it comes to things like zoning, permitting for you know, construction right. and whatever it may be. But honestly, because of the scale of our operation it's those tiny little things that are pop that pop up here and there like i mean just yesterday i had to have a plumber come out because i have a leak in my brewing area like in in the brewery yeah. um one small tiny leak that like from our our water filtration system that it's just one stupid fitting is just causing an, an leaking on the floor and because <laughs> of the because of our tiny facility here like i have people who work right below me it's causing leaking down there too. So I mean, so it's the little things that was right. like, you know, I thought I had this taken care of. I had a plumber <laughs> come install this whole system and it was fine whenever we installed it. It's been fine for the last year plus. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, it just pops up, you know, uh, um, you know, little things like working with the ebb and flow of the seasons. You know, when we opened up, we opened up at the end of September um, and being a new facility opened up, like our winter was pretty good. You know, we were still new on the block. People wanted to come out and support us. This is our first fall after being open for over a year, you know. Mm -hmm. And for our industry, like, 
things slow down in the fall. Sure. And so I'm just sitting here like on a random, you know, granted right now it's, it's, look, it's looking pretty good in the tap room for a Wednesday yeah. night. But like it's not what it was two months ago whenever the weather oh, was sure. 60, yeah, yeah, 70 yeah. plus. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we got snow flurries tonight. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and like, like people are like, ugh. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like I'll go home one night and be like, oh, my gosh, like what am I doing? Like my wife left her job. I'm, I'm the sole provider for our family right now. Like have I doomed us because now we're sitting here, you know, in the middle of winter, like what's going on? It's super slow. It's not what it was come sure. ju- June, July. But then you just got to sit back and remind yourself, okay, you can't expect a random Wednesday night in the winter to be the same <laughs> as a Wednesday night in June, July. Sure. Like people sit outside in June, July. Right. And, like they love to be able to sit outside. So we have like a beer garden that we open up in, in you know, the nicer months and whatnot. <laughs> You know, people want to sit outside. They'll do that and whatnot. But um, and I, and I think you know, I don't know that that translates to all breweries, but for us specifically, it's really it's those little things that are unexpected right. that I don't plan on having to deal with, but I have to deal with it. Otherwise, we we have nothing can happen. You know, um, it's one of the things I'll tell you that I hear a lot from from small brewers and and brewery owners like you is it's. A lot, a lot of folks just want to come in and brew, and then when you decide to own a brewery and open a brewery, it's like brewing becomes one small—not necessarily small, but like one piece of everything right. you're dealing with every single day. It's like, uh, yes, I want to brew beer today, but I can't because I have to call the plumber and right. have to like get this thing fixed, and then I've got to deal with this other thing. I mean, I wish that was the case, but. I don't want to brew. Oh, no, I have to brew today and I have to call the plumber. I have to call whoever it might be. It's, you know, it's just one of those things like it all has to happen. Yeah. Um, Whether or not I get any rest in that process is to be determined. Right. Like, (laughs) but it has to happen. And, you know, and like in the winter, it may not be as imperative that I get production done. But like this pat, like last summer, like we were literally kegging stuff the same day that something got kicked. Like I was just keeping up with our taps wow, in this yeah. past summer, um, which again, I'm never going to complain about having to keep our taps stocked that tightly. Like the fact that we're going through product that quickly is, it's great. You know what I yeah. mean? But, um, but yeah, like there are days where I'm just like, all right, like it's on my wife. I was like, sorry, tomorrow I, I have to get in at 3 a.m. Because I have this, 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 and this to do, and I'm expecting a delivery, and I can't get it all done unless, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. there are things. And, you know, and that, for a larger, not maybe not even larger production facility, but for people who have more people on staff to handle all that, it may not seem as big a deal. Like, receiving a shipment of malt, that's not that big a deal. But we had a shipment of malt scheduled to be delivered on a, the one day that week where I was going to be home with my daughter. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, and yeah. so it's those little things that, I mean, I don't know. It may not seem like a big deal, but for the fact that there's only five of us who work here and you know, it's me and my wife, it's a big deal. Like I missed a day at home because I was supposed to be here for, sure. for time. I was supposed to be yeah. at home, yeah. you know? Um, well, speaking yeah. of getting, of being at home, we don't want to take too much of your time. <laughs> you guys it are good. In the evening and we want to get you back home. So, Let's take a little time and talk about beer. Yes. Yeah. So um, I have found a favorite of the night, and I think Adam's found a favorite of the night. And I'd love it if you would tell us, 
Tell right. us about what, what we're drinking. Right. So uh, you guys are drinking both our Cuban coffee milk stout. Yes, which I totally enjoy. This is one of the smoothest, cleanest stouts I have had in a long time. It's so, it's so milky. <laughs> it's almost like drinking a hot chocolate that's right. cold and uh, and has alcohol in it. Like I'm <laughs> drinking it far too fast. It's really just perfectly sweet and perfectly um, lightly bitter. It really is very chocolatey and perfectly coffee. But you fill in all the details yeah, yeah. about. From well, the so we are located maybe just a mile down the road from uh, Mayorga Organics, and uh, we. All our coffee stouts, we've worked with them directly. I mean, they're just down the road. Great product. They source it um, from Central and South America. Yeah. And they and they treat their farmers really well as well, um, which has been a huge draw for us. Like they, um, they pay them really well. They help them to develop other crops for down years for coffee and whatnot. So we love working with the guys from Mayorga. But what we wanted to do was um, on this specific beer – my family's from Central America, and so oh, cool. we, we get flavors and influence from other you know Central and South American um, cultures and, and cuisine. We wanted our, to do our best to mimic uh, a Cuban coffee or a cortado. And traditionally, uh, first runnings of a Cuban coffee are whipped and mixed with you know a dark like a brown sugar and whatnot. So you get kind of that nice frothy texture, and then the rest of the coffee is poured there on top of that. Um, and so we wanted to mimic that kind of experience in a beer. Um, so for our Cuban coffee milk stout, it's a milk stout brewed with lactose sugar to create like that silky texture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. A little bit of sweetness like you'd find from the brown sugar. And then we also infused it with a dark Cuban roast. Yeah. So real soft, silky but you did, And you didn't overdo it. No, that's oh, the thank thing. You. Like, you did not overdo the, 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 the roast. Just It's just... Just the right amount. Luckily enough, the um, that just comes from dialing in. How much coffee do we do per stout? This is our third or fourth coffee stout we've got in Mayorga. And the first one we did, I mean, it was great, but it was, I mean, it was a coffee stout. You know what I mean? Like it was like, all right, you know, dialing in the the proportion of coffee and cold brew to to the beer itself. Um, but then the other beer we have on the table is our Belgian style red ale, which I mean, honestly. Belgian red. I don't even know that's a real style, but <laughs> I've never heard of it before. But right. I, I think say, it might be a thing now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to say, you know, it captures both styles really well. I appreciate it. You well, get this great red flavor with a little bit of the the malt flavor, etc., and then you get the funkiness of the Belgian. Right on. And right it on. pairs really well together. So that's actually just kind of a an example of what just happens here in our our facility, like. I had a red ale scheduled to be brewed. So we were going to go ahead. I was going to go ahead and move forward brewing it. But then I was looking at what yeast was going to be available. And I, I had two or three yeasts that were going to be ready to be used. But then I started looking down the road. It's like, okay, like what else will I need to pull? Because we, we reharvest our yeast for multiple batches sure. here and there. And rather than stressing myself out and trying to, you know, pull yeast out of a beer that may not be able to be ready to give as much as I want. I just figured, you know what? We'll just pull our our Belgian saison yeast out, and we'll just we'll brew our red ale, um, but we'll do it when we'll ferment with our saison yeast this time around. Um, and you know, we have a really interesting beer coming out of that. You yeah. have, as you were saying, there's a nice red foundation with 
you know, light caramel notes. Um, the color is relatively dark for a red. It's not it light red. It's a nice yeah. dark amber um, ruby almost. Ruby, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. It's, it's like a nice ruby red. red. Maybe yeah, that's a good one. Garnet, yeah. yeah. Nice ruby color. There's little hints of like chocolate malt in there. A little bit of special carafa. So it's like nice darkness without that real harsh bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, because of the yeast we use, it finishes very dry. So you get like light dry maltiness which is not cloying or sweet um, it's almost like a nice dry bready biscuit and then you get like you were saying like the yeast character yeah like clove light esters of bubble gum and whatnot and it was just kind of a shot in the dark and we we're just <laughs> like you know we'll, we'll give it a shot and see what happens and uh you know like it it's truly something that i enjoy as well yeah. like you know if if i weren't drinking our you know, double IPA right now. I've been drinking that, you know, like it's just. <laughs> well, tell us about your double IPA. Yeah. yeah. So we don't want to chase trends, but at the same time, we realize that our patrons have things they want to drink. Right. Um, so just last week, we released uh, two milkshake double IPAs in conjunction. One of them was conditioned with pink guava and one was conditioned with uh, passion fruit. Same exact base, uh, same hopping schedule, dry hop schedule, just two different fruits. And those two fruits have created two very distinct beers. Uh, the one I'm drinking right now is our passion fruit variant. It's got a real nice juicy kind of character you'd expect from like New England style beers. Um, but using passion fruit, it has a real interesting kind of nice slightly tart finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, passion fruit itself is, you know, very fruity, but it has a tartness to it. And so you'll find that kind of translates to the beer. And so uh, that's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, I've enjoyed it immensely, uh, so much so to the point that, that this might be a beer that we do again sooner rather than later. You know, uh, we're looking at different fruits. Like we did these two together, uh, the pink guava variant and then passion fruit. So we're looking at you know two other fruits that we might use. Um, soursop is in the same family as right. passion fruit. So a lot we of might people do... have been using soursop, right? Yeah, lately, yeah. So yeah, we're looking at soursop, tangerine, pineapple. I don't know. Figure it all out. So. You worked at Union Craft, you yes. home brewed, you have your own brewery. What's the most inventive beer that you've tried, whether it worked or not? They've all worked for the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the thing that for us, and I, I think our regulars will tell you, it's not inventive, it's not unheard of, but um, it's around the holiday season now. So you probably, you know, it's come and gone. You saw, you know, those chocolate oranges that you slam on the table yeah. And it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 all right so we took uh old bruin a uh, brown sour style and infused it with lactose sugar and tangerine Ooh. and we created a dark tangerine sour um, wow. which was essentially a chocolate covered orange with hints of tartness really soft and silky kind of body to it um inventive i don't know out of the box, uh, maybe a little yes. bit, you know. <laughs> um, it definitely had a niche here in the brewery. Um, you either loved it or you thought it was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, no one hated it. It was just, it was one of those things. I mean, they no one hated it, but I think it was because it was so obscure. Like, it was something that not a lot of people know what Ode Bruins are. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, these yeah. dark sours. Like, it's not yeah, a yeah. familiar style. And we get away with doing stuff like that because I'm like, all right, I have one batch. I have five kegs to get through. And sure. going through five kegs is not that hard to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Um, and so that was probably one of the most interesting and unique things that we've done. You know, we've also fermented in oak barrels as opposed to our stainless steel fermenters. So we did the same saison, one in a Cabernet barrel, one in a, in a uh, Chardonnay barrel, just for the hell of it. And, you know, like that was kind of fun. Same beer, two very unique kind of uh, flavor profiles. So excellent. Yep. Yeah. No, that's cool. Do you have a process for coming up with the names of your beers or? Always with the names. Always with the names. Well, that's interesting, you I think, because so, it's so hard to come up with names. I have more than one process for coming up <laughs> with the name of a beer. Um, sometimes it's uh, whatever's on my playlist. <laughs> so, so wait, there was, what was the one that's, there's a beer that I immediately recognized as a song that's on the board right now, but I can't remember what it is. It's the first one. It's the top one. Well, there's also Crosstown Traffic. Crosstown Traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. Crosstown traffic, a good old Jimmy hit. Um, that's the collaboration we did with Supreme Core Cider, which right. is out in Northeast so it's a DC. Graph, right? Yeah. yeah, it's a graph. So we brewed an English barley wine, which was then infused with apple juice and fermented with apple juice, and it finished very dry for a barley wine. Um, that's not it was not expected, but it's a, it's a lovely treat. I liked it. Twelve um, percent does not taste like twelve percent, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, so like playlists, whatever I'm listening to at the time when I'm coming out with my schedule, I'll adjust my production schedule based on how quickly we're going through certain styles of beer and I'll try to get it. So, you know, like, all right, I have an amber, you know, a a light, easy drinking, dry cream ale. Like these are going to probably be kicking in the next week or two. Like I need to get ready to brew something similar to that style. Um, and so I'll come up with a style. I'll put it in production schedule. And then, like, I'll come up with a name based on what I'm listening to, what hits me, you know. Uh, we have a red IPA we've done twice uh, every fall. Uh, it's called Automaton, like Automaton. Uh, you know, there's a yeah. song, uh, the group Jamiroquai has a song called Automaton. So I was putting this schedule together. Automaton was because I was listening to Automaton, you know. Um, Skull Kid, um, you know, Zelda, obviously a yeah. Zelda reference. Girl from Coachella, which is a beer I'm drinking right now. It's a, a reggae song called The Girl from Coachella. You know, like there's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, different, there's different things that I use as motivation. Like our can release we had, you know, towards the end of 2018 was um, called Captain EO. If anyone here has been to Epcot at Disney World a long time ago, there was the great George Lucas, Michael Jackson uh, extraction called Captain EO, you know. So, like, that was something that I enjoyed and I just loved the, the kind of the – not the art but the aesthetic of that and so like i wanted that to kind of be our motivation for this and so we have a beer called captain eo and we did a can release for it and the can looks like captain eo's shirt it's all white it has the rainbow little like you know design on it and so there are different ways we come about names um there's no consistent way we do every single beer it's just there's a number of ways we come up with it well, listen, Tony Prabulo, thank you so much for taking all this time to sit down and talk to us about Saints Row Brewing in Rockville, Maryland, and your family-focused, neighborhood-focused approach to bringing like really high-quality beer uh, to the community. I appreciate it's it. It's really, you. really cool. Thanks, guys. So thanks again. And Adam? Remember, always drink great beer. Cheers, guys.